Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, checking in with you with this all-new episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week from 2012, The Battery, written and directed by Jeremy Gardner, who I am having a love affair with in terms of his movies and everything else that goes along with Mr. Gardner. We just talked about after a minute a couple weeks ago, we're doing The Battery. So stay tuned for that later on in the show. As always, I am joined by the psychotic simian, the adult purple rock star of my Mars Day gift, the mad monkey. Get funky with it. Does he not want to talk? Well, I am a man alone. I, I see. Uh, no, I gotta sit there and come back. I gotta come back strong now. 
as always, here at Talking Tarot, we always pride ourselves on being 100% professional 100% of the time. Well, we'd like to be. I think we'll make it there one day, fellas. Tonight was not that <laughs> Thanks, I monkey. Yeah. <laughs> All of our listeners are going to know what's going on. These guys are always so professional. Thanks, guys. Sorry. Didn't mean to sit down. <laughs> yeah. Ah. All right. So, Monkey, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to talk about before I give it over to the Dean for some horror news and what's going on in the world. Yes, I do, actually. I just want to sit there oh. and uh, quickly give a, let's hear, quick, quick, super quick, a uh, spoiler-free review of Psycho Gorman. All right. Also notice, PG. <laughs> the, 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 the demon I checked it out this past weekend. Um, yeah, the movie has a really nice little 90s vibe to it. Let's see here. As the diva put it, uh, imagine Gwar invading a Power Rangers episode. Is yep. how she put it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of blood, lots of gore, really nice practical effects, uh, a cheesy little storyline. Um, but I, I also was impressed with how there was little to no language in the movie, so they were still keeping it friendly for those people who want to be horror families and you know be as a family and hang out and watch horror movies you were still able to get the cheesy blood the cheesy gore and stuff like that but they made it you know they they were smart enough that when they wrote this they they knew they didn't have to fill it with a bunch of language and you know so you know the worst thing you get is frick <laughs> um, and i thought that was really well written on their part to be smart enough to be to write a family friendly horror movie that still had tons of gore and splatter in it at the same time. It was just a really nice rated R Power Rangers episode, if you will. That is the perfect way to describe it. I, now that you say that, I'm like, you know what? I could see Odorous Youngest playing Psycho Gourmet. I could see Odorous, you know, just <laughs> everything and beating everything up everywhere, you know, come doggia unite. That, and that might be the perfect review I've ever heard. Of Psycho Gorman, <laughs> the Squar Small Rangers, and that one scene on the toilet with the dad, where he just comes through. You gotta make a left on that. What's the right? What's the frig? <laughs> ah! And then, and then, then where they're teaching Psycho Gorman how to cuss, you know, when they're oh. <laughs> telling him, yeah, but the worst one is you know, frig or friggin'. <laughs> And it keeps it friendly that way. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's not a movie that you want to show to very young kids because of the gore, but they do keep a lot in the language and they just keep it heavy on the gore. Does Psycho Gorman look hunky boy? We don't know. He might. Psycho <laughs> <laughs> Gorman part two, if he likes his hunky boy. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you I'm really glad you liked it. And I'm hoping that the Dean checks it out one of these days. I know he's very excited about Psycho Gorman. <laughs> Yeah, you know, as, yeah. as oh, go go ahead, Dean. As this film has, you know, come up on our program before, this little bit of like fun buzz about it, uh, as it's kind of made its way, then people like I've seen in numerous different places where you know people are uh, pretty excited 
about Cycle Gourmet. So I did a little reading up on what uh, what it's all about, and yeah, it sounds it sounds like a like a fun kind of of throwback. So uh, I look forward to checking it out. It's definitely up there on my list. Yeah, it's you know it's definitely up there with the cheesiness of killer sushi. I'll you know I'll definitely say that that it's <laughs> right up there with that kind of cheesiness. Dead, dead uh, sushi. Is, dead sushi. Sorry, dead, dead sushi. sushi. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> um, yeah, and then other than that, on the, the talking terror page, I don't know if you plan on talking about it, Dean. If you did, uh, just tell me to shut up now. Is that they? We're talking some things about the Godzilla versus Kong movie and about how there's going to oh, be. Oh, go right ahead. Okay, and um, the king put, put up a post here about um, not only is there going to be some gore to it, you know, even though it's going to be rated PG-13, I was I was hoping for harder, but it, you know, I'm hoping it's going to be a hard PG-13. But what what the king put on the talking terror page is it's going to be definitely some gore mo- gore moments in there but they're going to be a definitive winner in this movie and they yeah. they said that when they when you're done watching this movie there's going to be no arguments in the playground it's going to be a definite winner of who wins this movie now i'm not sure yes, I, so I much see that piece of news that there's going to be a definitive winner pull something cheesy like you know yes and the winner is humankind you know, because <laughs> the, earth was the winner is everybody <laughs> Everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> You're all one of, one of those kind of. <laughs> or they yeah, the wow! I didn't realize they gave. I didn't realize they gave ribbons to tenth place. <laughs> the only winning move is not to play. <laughs> Yeah, all, you know, there you go. <laughs> all I wanted to do is... Day will never be the thing. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a winner. Definitely going to be a loser. So, sorry, Godzilla, go back to the fucking water with you. Oh, so, you know, you can go fuck right off right now. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Monkey's got to get... <laughs> Baddest motherfucking dinosaur ever. <laughs> Monkey's got to go and make himself some weapons because he's not badass enough to take on the big G by himself. He <laughs> yeah. have fucking laser shooting out of his mouth like a bitch. He just has muscle. That's what he's got. That's why King Kong is the fucking king. He's not King Godzilla. No, it's just Godzilla or G-Man, you like to call him. No, this is the motherfucking king. He's the king of the jungle and he gets pussy. So you know he's gonna get it. <laughs> and then he goes around with a little kid sidekick. <laughs> what? That's okay. Godzilla what a kid sidekick. Godzilla human like Godzilla yeah. Godzilla doesn't get none. How the hell does Godzilla have kids then? Huh? <laughs> he's asexual when he pops those eggs out. You don't think that he's asexual? You don't need a fuck to get those eggs popping. No, no. No, King Kong is <laughs> That's why you don't see the kid walking around. Right. Going around. Do you saying, think there's any... Godzilla got some... Do you think there's any... Godzilla got some any, child any What, you mean kids' books? Do you think... <laughs> no, no, books. Because we're covering that. On, on, on who's going to win. 
Like, can you place a bet somewhere? Do you think you can place a bet somewhere? Oh, yeah. He's doing something like that. That'd be fun. DraftKings is doing the uh, Godzilla vs. <laughs> King Kong. <laughs> Godzilla vs. King Kong DraftKings. <laughs> well, the dean said it. He might be right. There might be some bets going online. There might be, you know, like places taking bets. I don't know. Why not? They were doing it back when Freddy vs. Jason was out in theaters. They had a whole pool in Vegas. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And they had a whole thing at uh, MGM in Las Vegas where they did, like, the tail of the tape where Jason and Freddy, you know, met up Don King style at Mike Tyson stage, waving their weapons around and stuff like that. So, yeah, they did the whole promotion thing. Oh, I did not know that, man. That is, that's cool. <laughs> uh, video. I'll uh, find it on YouTube. It used to be on YouTube anyway, but, yeah, we'll share that video where Freddy just calls him a bitch the entire time and just Jason stares up in the face. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great little clip that came out alongside the movie. But, so, yeah, we will see who wins. Uh, you know who I stand. You know where the monkey stands. But where do you stand, folks? Do you think it's going to be Godzilla? Do you think it's going to be King Kong? It's okay to think it's King Kong. We all know. It's okay. Well, I go Godzilla. When he's sent crying back to his mom underneath the water. I don't know what they have. Well, what the freak is that? We need that water with Godzilla. <laughs> he's a rock. He just looks like himself when he calls that mom. I don't know. I don't know what he's got underneath the water. It's not that he swims around. You know Godzilla. So, Dean, do you have a pick or no? Uh, who I think is going to win the epic battle? I I yeah, think man. it's going to be Kong, man. I think it's going to be King Kong. Right? Vote number two. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be King Kong, and uh, the the reason being is is um, like I just feel that like King Kong is like he's like a beloved character in a way that Godzilla isn't. Um, in a way, there's like a like a there's like a tenderness and emotion to King Kong uh, that is lacking right. from Godzilla, who's just a fucking rampaging fucking monster. Um, that, right. I just I don't think I don't think that uh, in this film with everything going on in, in the world and granted I know they've been working on this film for a long time but I don't think they're gonna kill that piece of humanity uh, right now so my money is on is on is on King Kong. Ah, hate to say it, you guys are probably right though. <laughs> I mean, we don't coming know. from we someone. Don't. Uh, I just want to make it clear um, while. Uh, they are on my on my lists, uh, my never-ending lists. I have not seen any of the modern films going back to the Jack Black uh, King Kong, um, nor have I seen any of the recent modern uh, Godzilla things. So um, I only have the, the last King Kong, uh, you know, related thing I saw was probably like the Jeff Bridges one from the seventies. And I've seen the original, of course. And like the last Godzilla that I saw was the the Jean Reno and Matthew Broderick. Oh, uh, so I'm oh, not like okay. up on like the, the 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 capabilities of either of these creatures. But like when I think about them, like I just like my heart says King Kong will be the winner. Okay, but oh, but you didn't get you haven't had a chance to even check out the Peter Jackson one then, huh? No, 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 I haven't. 
that that one actually got a, a lot of shit for, but I actually really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was actually a really good remake. It's decent. It really is. Peter Jackson does a great job. Yeah, and, and Jack Black was just awesome. <laughs> Usually always is. And I thought Naomi Watts was good, and, and uh, Adrian Brody had a good cast. And Andy Serkis doing yeah. the motion capture for Kong. Brilliant. Yeah, I, yeah, I just thought it was a really, really solid remake that just didn't get the love that it, I thought it deserved. But that's just me. <laughs> I thought I had my ticket bought. <laughs> mm. All right, so moving on from there, uh, Dean, you have the floor with horror news. What do you got for us tonight? Well, I just, you know, I want to, I want to cycle back to to uh, where the monkey uh, kicked off our evening because he was talking about Psycho Gorman, Gorman, and I just happened to have an item involving uh, Mr. Gorman here on, uh, on my tab, my agenda. And uh, on March 16th, uh, through the kind folks over at Broke Horror Fan, you will be able to pre-order a limited edition VHS of Psycho Gorman. Uh, there is going to be 150 copies. Uh, 50 of them are going to be like a standard release uh, with like a certain art direction to it. Uh, there's going to be a variant uh, with different art. There's going to be 50 copies of those. And there's also going to be an old school big box edition uh, that has different art also going to be 50 copies. Uh, the film in, inside will be the same. Uh, there'll be a little letter uh, from the director, Steve Kostansky. Uh There will be special features and this is going to be cropped uh, to the full frame uh, four, three aspect ratio. Uh, as VHS uh, tapes uh, always are. So if you are one uh, who gets excited by the thought of a VHS tape and still has a VCR in your entertainment center, uh, maybe you will be one of the 150 lucky souls to acquire a copy of the Psycho Gorman uh, VHS tapes. And, and that's one thing about you, King, that throws me off though, now that I think about it, is that you don't have a VHS player and you don't have a classic VHS collection. You strike me as the kind of person I that did. would have that ju- just so you could have some old school horror movies. I had two tubs you're talking about, one you, time. You're talking horror about movies. me or the, or, or the king? The king. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would imagine that the king has a VCR. If I had yeah, because we know you're all about we know you're all about the vinyl, Dean. You know, so, yes. so that's why I was thinking the king would be all about the VHS thing. <laughs> I want to get back into it. It's just an expensive, expensive hobby to get into. Just much like vinyl is you know, to a certain degree. I have done I have done no research into uh, the market of VHS tapes these days. I have no idea uh, what that market is like, but I know. Around here, uh, it's a very common practice in my area when uh, people have shit they don't want and want other people to hopefully take. Uh, you know, they will just like put stuff out by the foot of their driveway, you know, with a sign mm-hmm. that says, please take me. And <laughs> all the time you're walking around town and there's like boxes of VHS tapes or DVDs, uh, stuff like that. I have no idea what the aftermarket is for horror movie VHS, uh, you know, whether just standard VHS tape common releases or like the old school, like clamshells and big boxes from the 80s. Like, I have no idea 
like what that stuff goes for. It's just not some things that I'm remotely interested in. Um, and while, yes, uh, vinyl records is something that is a very, very, very big hobby of mine, I will never get into, like, VHS acquisition. I don't even have a VCR. Like, I have a handful of um, VHS tapes that I still own and uh, would like at some point to, like, transfer them to, like, a DVD uh, or something, but I'm never going to get a VCR and, and go backwards in that direction. It just, part of it is just, that stuff just takes up too much fucking space. Like I'm pretty much almost out of room for any more records. Um, in fact, I just went through, uh, I just went recently went through my records and like cold the herd and pulled out a whole bunch of shit that I know that I will never listen to again, uh, just to get rid of that stuff, to clear some space for new stuff. Um, you know, my, my collection is, my collection is hovering somewhere between five and 600 records. Oh, um, I, I don't, I don't anywhere have any fucking space for VHS tapes. Um, and if I'm going to watch, if I'm going to watch a movie at home, uh, you know, I prefer like the Blu-ray HD experience. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to go backwards to a fucking four, three aspect ratio. Like um, it's just, it's just not something that I have interest in. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind going back to that. You know, I mean, I, you know, the VHS, the horror VHS collecting community is, is big, but those tapes can get pretty pricey, especially the rare ones that you want to find Vestron video or Canon or the other ones. But I think it was two weeks ago. What? I was like, it was a Saturday, and uh, I was half drunk, and I realized I was out of beer, so I kind of had to stumble to the pub, you know, down from my apartment to get more. And there was a VHS player for free on the side of the street uh, with a bunch of VHS tapes that I had no interest in. So I was like, you know what? If I'm coming back this way, I'm going to get that VHS player. And I'm going to bring it home, and I don't care. I'll figure out a way to hook it up. Well, I came back, and it smashed it in the middle of the street. What? I was like, oh. Yeah, somebody had taken it out of the car that it was in and threw it in the street and smashed it. And I was like, well, I mean, at least I'm drunk. I mean, fun bring home that right. VHS player and hook it up. See if it actually works. <laughs> like, what, what would be – King, I'm just out of curiosity because I'm going to, like – poke around on the internet during during our show a little bit but just it's something that i i am curious about but like what would do you, do you have a couple of titles that pop into your head right now that would be considered like hard to get or desirable vhs tapes um well like the the original like texas chainsaw massacre uh that was one of the rare ones uh headless eyes um some of the mark polonia shot on video uh vhs tapes are kind of they're up there, but they're, you know, kind of rare to find uh, some of the Charles Band stuff. Uh, I can't think of a lot of, of particular titles that come to mind because I haven't researched it in well over two years. But at the time, I belonged to a lot of VHS collecting groups, and a lot of them were like, well, look at this one I found. You know, in 85, it's final exam. You know, I found this one, and it was going for 150 bucks online. You know, but uh, it's been a while since I've seen, you know, anything going on in the VHS collecting case. I belong to the groups, I should say, but. It's an expensive hobby, as you'll find out when you go online and look at all the collector groups. All right. I mean, I just, I just, you know, did a quick search here, and I'm seeing mm-hmm. I can get a original release 1984 Texas Chainsaw Massacre original VHS for 75 bucks. Yeah, see, it's a little, you know, a little pricey for me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was just, I was just curious because it's, it's not like sometimes on a VHS tape, you know, at the end they can tack on like a a short um 
you know, behind the scenes or something, but it's not like all of the different volumes of special editions with the capabilities of DVD, because when you scroll right down, there's like a Texas Chainsaw VHS that wasn't the original 84, but one from a couple of years later, that's, that's right here. I'm looking at for 850. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just interesting to me, uh, you know, the VHS, while it's not something I'm interested in as far as my own interest to acquire, just that um, the aftermarket VHS and values and what things might go for is something that is interesting, interesting to me as a collector of something a lot of the- else that's like you know, I'm trying to think now. Like, like the Frank Henwater Frankenhooker VHS tape that came out back in the '80s was the talking yeah. package that when you press, it said "Want a date?" I remember that was a rare one. And that was like if you, that's one of the grails back in the day. You know, now I'm sure you could probably find it for like five bucks. But I know that a couple of years ago, <clears throat> that original packaging with the talking, you know, voice, that was a that was a rare one. You know, and if you put in your yeah. collection, you were there. in in. In my search for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre VHS, my search did pop me into an area here where there is a original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, one sheet uh, that uh, is folded, um, mm. but this is going for $469.99. Good luck to whoever can buy that. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, look, I don't know how many of those things are out there. You know, in 1974, I know it wasn't like a massively widely released film, so uh, there might not be many of those original things from 1974 floating around. But still, no, those are territories. Fucking smoking down that money. Those are all. Yeah, those are all different territories back then, back in the 70s. I mean, I mean, fuck, the the monkey got me in the brood from 1979. That one sheet for 25 bucks, and it's folded, and it was actually in a movie theater one time. So, just goes to show you. Yeah, you know. I have two. Yeah, I have two original folded uh, one sheets that are, um, you know, hopefully a time when I have the space for for like framing and displaying. But I have an original one sheet uh, folded from the original First Blood, and I have an original uh, one sheet folded from one of my classic favorite uh, old road movies, uh, Convoy with Chris Christopherson. Convoy. Yeah. I haven't seen that much. Just, that, <laughs> they're still folded. They're safe and sound in the way. Um, you know, I got the first Blood one when I was a kid. There was like a movie uh, memorabilia slash sports card slash bullshit like sale in the Freehold Mall where vendors had their tables set up all over the place. And I bought hmm. the first Blood one there. Um, you know, but this is probably like whenever the freehold mall opened i would have to look at the years it was probably like 1991 ish 92ish maybe when the freehold mall opened um i mm-hmm. bought it there and a kid and like not knowing what i had i did i did put that up on my wall so there are some thumbtacks holes in the corners um but those would be well, yeah. from <laughs> those would be hidden from view uh if i ever got it framed but my convoy one sheet is like pristine it is folded but it's pristine I got that in the eBay uh, years ago. Oh, it's very cool. Fancy those. I mean, I have a couple of lobby cards from some horror releases that were original that I got pretty cheap on eBay. I kind of lucked out some eBay sales. So I can get some lobby cards like for Prom Night and uh, Amityville Horror. So, yeah, I, 
love my little lobby cards. They're not big. They're not small, but, you know, they're original. So well, I, I can... I'm glad you brought up lobby cards, King, because there are some trading cards that I would like to talk to talk about very briefly. Uh, and it's okay, great. That uh, your pals over at Fright Rags, I believe you're a frequent customer of Fright Rags. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah we smuggled <laughs> Fright Rags uh, has put out an 80s-style old-school trading cards uh, for George Romero's best film, The Day of the Dead. Um, they're 80s-style wax packs trading cards. Uh, you can order them on the Fright, Rite, Fright Rag site for $5 a pack, uh, $35 for just the complete set of the 84 cards, or uh, $120 for a sealed case of 24 wax packs. Uh, not, in the, uh, not in the set of 84 cards, but in the cases uh, or the individual packs or the case of sealed packs, in addition to the trading cards, uh, there are uh, cards that have been autographed by original cast members that are hidden in there. Uh, so you can potentially cool. find autographed cards. Uh, so you can buy an individual pack, the full set, sealed case um, on the Fright Rags site. Uh, but there are uh, trading cards that feature scenes from the film. There's also some cards that feature some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff as well. So uh, if that is your kind of thing, uh, you can head on over to Fright Rags and get some Day of the Dead trading cards. But does it sure have the horrible stick of gum? Does it, well, does it have the horrible stick of gum? <laughs> no, I don't believe there's any, any gum. I didn't say anything about gum. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm actually glad that you brought up Fright Rags because on the 31st of this month, they actually made the announcement earlier this week that they are going to be releasing something special with the original 1968 Night of the Living Dead. Uh, they're going to be making little reveals up until the 31st when they're actually going to take pre-orders. It looks like it's going to be something like they did with Halloween last year, where they worked with Nanoforce to create little figures that you can get in a pack, and they were selling that for $24.99. This one looks like it's going to come in a lunchbox uh, with the Night of the Living Dead artwork on it and include figures of Barbara and Ben and the Cemetery Ghoul. Uh, so they're going to be doing those reveals throughout the month, like they always do, just to tease you. But, yeah, I already told them on the 31st. I was like, I need to know because I need to be able to make sure I have money to give you guys because I want this. <laughs> I've been dead, uh, down the Halloween one, that thing sold out within, like, two seconds. It went on sale, and then it was gone at 10 a.m. By 10.02, that thing was sold out. So I definitely want to make sure that I get my pre-order in for the Night of the Living Dead. Whatever it may be, I don't even know. Better do it. Better do it. Yeah. Fright Rags is such a great company, and we, we're not sponsored by them in any way, but I, I love Fright Rags. Their shirts are amazing, and uh, their content is great. Their hats, their mugs, their pants, their shirts. It's quality company. And it would be cool as shit if we were sponsored by Fright Rags. So anyone listening to Fright Rags, we fucking love you. <laughs> Give us some money so we can keep talking about you. <laughs> Make it a two-way street here. <laughs> I just got my George Romero shirt from them. High quality. Seriously, the king of bar, Andy G, has given you guys enough money uh, that you can start kicking some merch or some stuff our way so <laughs> we can continue to talk about you. The monkey has a very good uh, – because we are not <laughs> going to sit here and pump your tires all night. Um, about the great <laughs> products that you bring to the horror. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so we're going to move on from that company right now. And let's go. Your time is it up. It is early. Good day, good day yeah, your sir. Time, time is up. Time's up. Uh, we are um, still, we've just passed through the Christmas season. Uh, it seems like it's a million years ago because everything that's a week ago seems like a million years ago these days. But, oh, excuse me. It's been announced uh, that Orwo and Black Hanger Studios are teaming up uh, to create a Silent Night, Deadly Night remake. Uh, Silent Night, hmm. Deadly Night did have a remake in uh, 2012, but there is now a new remake in uh, development. And Scott Snide and Dennis Whitehead, who were the producers of the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, are back attached to this product once again uh, as the producers. Uh, so that is all the information I'm seeing there. No information about when this thing is going to really get moving or, or, or get into production. But um, if you are a fan of Silent Night, Deadly Night, which we did recently cover here on Talking Terror, uh, you yep. might be interested in, to know that there is a remake on the way. Sure. That. That's, that's, the one from 2012, the, the Stephen Miller uh, film Silent Night, that wasn't a remake. That was just a title only about a killer Santa. This one, by the original producers is going to be more in line, I think, with the original. But how could you top Billy, the original Silent Night, Deadly Night from 84? I don't know, but I'm actually on board. I think it's going to be fun. Anytime there's a killer Santa involved, I'm on board for it. <laughs> how do you top it? You make Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. That's how you fucking top it. Because <laughs> okay. that movie was... That movie was fucking epic. <laughs> That's a good sequel. Gets you all you need to know from the first one in the second. That's how you make a sequel. <laughs> all right. So the these next two things, I'm just going to say these real say this out loud real quick. Uh, I'm fine just to say them out loud. Uh, if you feel the need for further discussion, uh, so be it. But uh, in the realm of series. Uh, going into production in April, this is more in the direction of the comics, but uh, there's going to be a Green Lantern series for HBO Max that's going into production in April. And then the details for this next one are still being held under wraps, uh, but Netflix uh, is going to be producing a Terminator anime series uh, for Netflix, and all of the details for that are currently still under wraps. They just got to sit there and fucking turn anything they can and just sit there and be like it's an anime series. It's just, uh, it's getting poorly animated. I know it is. (laughs) Looked at the studio. I wasn't happy with the shit that they've done in the past. I was just like, oh, Let's remember to be to be real here. Like it's been since like I just want to make sure I have the right the right year. But <laughs> as far as a Terminator anime anime series, um, it's been uh, uh, come on, uh, internet don't tell me now. It's been uh, it's been thirty years. Uh, T2 came out in 30 years. So it's essentially been like 30 years since there's been anything truly worthwhile in the realm of Terminator. So 
when I see things about a new Terminator anime, like I, whatever, like I'm just reporting on it because it's the fucking Terminator. Like I, I, I could care less about a Terminator anime series, to be honest. Yeah. Or and you said the Green Lantern? Is that what you said? It's going to be another series? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. The Green Lantern live action series for HBO Max. Did they say which Green Lantern by any chance, or is it just I, I Green Lantern? So let me just uh, let me just get the clarification real quick here. Uh, I don't want to tell you wrong, but yes, there was information um, about it. Let's see. What does it say here? It said it said that um, follow the adventures of a multitude of lanterns, including Guy Gardner, oh. Jessica Cruz. Simon Baz and Alan Scott, Earth's first Green Lantern, who true to the comics is a gay man, and many more. Um, even though this is going to be a series, uh, the production team is viewing this as creating like feature films, even though it is going to be a series. So uh, those are the lanterns that they have announced uh, thus far. Okay, so so they're all right. So they're going ahead and they're taking a spin at the Green Lantern Corps comic book, is what they're doing then. Because um, <clears throat> Guy Gardner was the center of that comic book. He was kind of like the leader of this offshoot, and I'm fine with that because Guy Gardner was one of my favorite lanterns, him and John Carter. <laughs> um, but yeah, Guy Gardner was just this dude that just was a Green Lantern, liked to drink his ass off, get in fights, start shit. You know, <laughs> so I was per- so I'm perfectly fine with Guy Gardner there, but again though, don't know fucking John Carter, huh, King? <laughs> it's like they they, they, they keep going around. They, they keep going around John Carter, know. you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Well, I mean, he, you I, know, yeah. For for DC related projects, it's telling me that. Um, there is going to be co-writers and executive producers Seth Graham Smith and Mark Guggenheim, and they tell me that Mark Guggenheim has written several DC-related projects, such as the hit CW series Arrow, as well as Legends of Tomorrow, and he did also co-write the 2011 Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern film. Uh, so this is a guy that's cool. been around the DC universe for, for quite some time. Oh, okay, cool. Not that Oh, so, so there we have it. That and I did have a Marvel piece, but I'm going to save this uh, for next week. It's not okay. like news about uh, upcoming releases or anything. It's not timely. This can wait because I did, uh, you know, write all of this shit down uh, before I knew the ghoul was going to be, not be taking part this evening. Uh, but I had seen a suggested list online of the best order to watch the Marvel films. So. Um, I have written down oh. that order, and I want to I want to lay it all out to you, uh, to you all. But I want the ghoul to be a part of that segment, so I'm going to save that till next week. Um, okay. To see, to see. Cool. So uh, I'm going to put that one on the brakes. But uh, you know, in the realm of like comic book characters, DC, Marvel, whoever, um, we know that there is an upcoming Blade uh, reboot. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> word has the word has floated. Uh, that it is going to most likely be a PG-13 uh, release. Uh, but in making the Man. rounds for uh, for the Friday Amazon Prime release of the Coming to America sequel, uh, Wesley Snipes has been out doing some interviews because he's in this film. 
And uh, he has said that this upcoming Blade uh, reboot uh, has his 1,000% support. Uh, he is open to any kind of cameo in any capacity, uh, but he fully supports the project. But he has said uh, that he uh, is working on a project right now, yet as of yet untitled, uh, that in, he says will involve uh, shapeshifters, martial arts and time travel and he says that this film is going to be the and i quote the blade killer uh he says back when they created the blade movies that he starred in he said at that time they were all white belts and now all this time and movie technology later they are black belts and that <laughs> the project will he says the project is going to smoke oh, all of the blade stuff he said the project is going to be like Blade on steroids. He said things that were innovative with Blade are now standard now, and we have the technology that allows us to do even more. Uh, so uh, he he's very excited about this project. And um, you you know, think? Uh, as as one who is uh, a fan of Wesley Snipes and like has always kind of felt bad about the direction that his career has gone for like. I don't know, kind of like the last 15 years um, ish. Uh, you know, I, I hope for, for him to return to glory. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of got into this uh, like a nice little cushion in the Eddie Murphy world uh, and had a, a feature role in the, the Dolmite biopic, which was just delightful. Uh, that was for Netflix. And he has a feature role in the coming to America sequel um, and has some other projects uh, that he's working on. And, I was I saw this and I was texting uh, with the ghoul about this yesterday. Uh, it seems that I just want to get the right information here. So uh, all states offer all kinds of like tax breaks and whatnot to get like movie companies to film uh, in their state. Uh, Georgia is one of those. That's why so many TV shows film yeah. in, in Georgia. Um, it's the new Hollywood, anyway, man. Yes. So yeah. He, there are 22 films uh, that were given tax credits in California for filming there uh, for the year, uh, you know, for this year, for filming this year, uh, 22 films. And there was some kind of film business stuff going on. And uh, the list of the 22 films was released yesterday. And on that list, uh, there is something listed on there. Uh, that says Passenger 58 uh, from Warner Specialty Productions and Warner Brothers put oh, out no. the, uh, the, the Wesley Snipes uh, great action flick Passenger 57. There is no information anywhere on the internet about a Passenger 57 sequel uh, being made or Wesley Snipes being involved in anything. So it's complete speculation. Um, but Wesley Snipes, in his press that he's been doing for Coming to America sequel, uh, ha people have asked him just about his memories in Passenger 57. And it is a film uh, that he speaks very highly of and very fondly of. And that is, you know, kind of beloved uh, as far as action films from its time. So that's just a piece to tack on to that uh, Snipes action horror shape-shifting time travel thing. But um, just a cool piece of info <laughs> out there. So that's total speculation uh, at this time. Yeah, as... 
I gotta say, man, as horrible as the movie is, I I really do fucking love Drop Zone. That movie is so much fun. I love that fun. too. I'm glad you said that, man. <laughs> I love that movie. Absolutely. That's one of those like just kind of dumb action movies that if I'm doing yeah. nothing and flipping around the channels and that thing is on, like I watch it the rest of the way from wherever it's up to, man. I I really <laughs> like that one a lot. You got a fucking crazy ass performance from Gary Busey. Uh, you know, you've uh-huh. got awesome stuff from uh, you know, from Wesley Snipes, you got some beautifully shot, you know, movie skydiving action. There's there's a lot going on there, and plus you got that henchman from some of the Steven Seagal movies that's got the tattoos all over his <laughs> neck and arms and everything. Like that guy always gets the shit kicked out of him in every movie. So like, so that's fun too. Um, I like that movie a lot. I like that. Yeah, it's just cool. you know, it's just classic over the top '90s action movie <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. There's really no point to it except we just need an action movie this week. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to see a sequel to Passenger 57, but that fucking movie hit. That's a good movie to put on, like when there's nothing else on. Passenger 57, put that on. You're gonna have a great time. Then you got Bruce Payne as the villain. You got Elizabeth Hurley, Tom Sizemore. I mean, can't ask for a better movie. Mm. Yeah, and the movie was a huge, like, success for the African-American audience. It's like, you know, that was a movie that they've been waiting for to come for a long, long time of just being able to have a black action hero in there and just modern-day action, you know, not black exploitation or anything like that. Like, Wesley Snipes brought something and brought it out, and, you know, it became – you know, a favorite amongst African-Americans there where it's like, they were like, you know, finally someone gets it and makes a movie for us. Yeah, he's fucking John McClane on a plane. Except he's doing it better Fuck than yeah. Donner Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's just, so, you know, again, so many African, uh, African-American audiences were just so fucking happy to see just black action in a movie where it's like, you know, yeah, no, he's not a pimp. No, he's not a, dr- a drug lord. No, he's not a drug dealer. And like, he's just, a badass that's there to be a hero and save the day, and it was just a huge moment. <laughs> Cinema history, man. Yeah, but again, that's a one-off movie. I don't really need to see part two. Don't make it a diehard franchise. Passion Eight, Passion Fifty Nine, and Passion Fifty One, like you know. No, Passion Fifty Seven. Watch it; it's great. You know the other movie from the. Uh, 90s that he did the fans rub Nero and huge fan of. I hate that movie. That movie sucks. I fucking love the fans so much. It's so fucking over the top, Robert De Niro and Wesley Snipes not having a problem dialing in his performance at all. <laughs> it's a paycheck movie. And Robert De Niro is just chewing on the scenery the entire time. That movie never gets old for me. I was so uh, when that film came out, and I know that uh, you know our our goal here is to sit and talk about Robert De Niro all night, but. Uh, when that film came out, I was at like the height of my like Robert De Niro is the greatest actor ever uh, era and where like any movie that he was going to be in that was going to come out for me was like a big event. And I was so excited about the team up of him and Snipes and the concept. And I found that movie to me to be such a fucking colossal letdown when I saw it. I was so disappointed in it. I thought it was so fucking stupid. I gotta yeah, agree, man. I, like, I, I thought I thought neither I thought neither one actually delivered on their part for that movie. No, I don't think either one of the new movies they were in. I think it was so great. Know what they're doing? They're just doing it. Wesley <laughs> Snipes is just kind of there, just to play a part, not even that well. 
Rob De Niro's like, I'm a psychopath. Yay. I was there for it. Better than this boy's life. <clears throat> Talk about Rob De Niro. This boy's life. We are the Oof. Never get my time back from that. <laughs> All right. Moving on from Rob De Niro talk and what is next talk. What else do you have for our news? Uh, so, uh, District 9 has, has, you know, come out some time ago already. Um, the surprise yes. hit that kind of came out of nowhere. And finally, uh, District 10 uh, is is finally uh, getting ready uh, to fire up. Blomkamp uh, is currently working on the script for District 10 uh, with Star Copley and original writing partner Terry Cattle. Um, you know, no word on when this is going to be done and like get into production, but District 10 uh, is on the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, do you think this movie really warrants a sequel though? I mean, because in my opinion, I thought they pretty much wrapped everything up in the first one. It's like all that's left now is, you know, <clears throat> just the, all the government actions take place to equalize things. Yeah. So yeah. I I I saw District Nine, um, and I saw it uh, one time uh, a long, long, long time ago, and truly don't have enough of a memory of like the okay. like intricate plot details to even comment on whether or not the story uh can can is a story that should be continued um i just remember it and i remember enjoying it you know and i remember specific things but not enough about the nitty-gritty of the plot so you know i know that uh people for a long time were always like what is there going to be more of that so i guess those people will be happy I'd like to meet them because I don't really know what, like the monkey said, it's, it's, it's all wrapped up. It's done. Yeah. Like the, the, yeah, the government I, kind of stuff. I mean, you quashed everything. That was the end. Yeah, and for for the original movie, for them to sit there and you know ha- have the social commentary that they did, you know, and to shoot it in South Africa and take places and just cover you know all these differences and uh, races and species and show it, you know the differences across the board and, sh- you know, show the hatred and the racism going on and to t- tie it all in to, you know, humans versus aliens ver- versus, you know, uh, whites versus blacks still not having their rights back and to sit there and tie all of that in and to still, still keep a fluid movie going with, you know, some pretty decent special effects going on. Uh, you know, I th- I thought it was a really well written I- independent science fiction movie. Yeah, I agree. Well worth a rewatch, Dean, if you haven't watched it in a while. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, I, will, I will certainly keep it in mind. Like I remember, I remember liking it. Um, you know, so uh, I would certainly watch it again uh, if the opportunity. Um, you know, were to, to present itself. Sparkle. Right. <laughs> what's next? What do you so got? That's what's going on there. And, uh, you know, the last time there was talk about this next one was just a couple of years ago in 2019, but nothing really came for it. Uh, but now Casper Van Diem is out there, uh, you know, taking uh, his claim to uh, to Rico of Starship Trooper no! fame uh, with, his own, <laughs> with his own pitch for a Starship Troopers TV show 
uh, that would be centered around the returning, as he calls it, old man Rico. Um, and he is heavily involved in trying to get a Starship Trooper series together because he says that uh, the current times right now are the perfect time uh, for Starship Troopers to, to hit the small screen. So, uh, you know, all of his focus on right now is the creation of a Starship Troopers TV series. Okay, but they've done this already. They do, they already did the Old Man Rico yeah. sto- storyline because they yeah. did a um, Starship Troopers animated movie and Rico was the commander-in-chief of all of the Earth forces, and he was this old, old man, like ha- pretty much, you know, half cyborg, half human at this point, and he was in charge of all of the Earth's defenses. And but you know, so he's supposed to be this old, old rugged man. But then you had Casper uh, Van Dien's, you know, ever so soft, you know, <laughs> always had like a teenager voice as the voice of this old, old man. It just didn't work. <laughs> New live action maybe this time. Who knows? Anything to bring back Star Trek uh, as far as Van Dien is concerned, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure Heinlein's yeah, rolling we'll in his grave. <laughs> we'll see. We shall see. And also, uh, other things that are happening in the world of old movies becoming series. Uh, Paramount Plus, uh, you know, where CBS All Access is going to be making the transition to. Uh, Paramount Plus. Uh, if it didn't happen at the start of March, it's happening any minute. I don't remember what the date of that was, but uh, for Paramount Plus, uh, they have a script to series order that's going to uh, straight to series, bypassing the pilot stage. Um, the very popular late eighties uh, adult thriller starring Michael Douglas and uh, Glenn Close. Uh, Fatal Attraction uh, will be coming to Paramount Plus. Uh, a deep dive reimagining of the 80s cultural touchstone uh, viewed through the lens of the modern attitude uh, on strong women, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, that's one that I, I haven't even uh, seen the entire uh, film. I've seen chunks of it. Um, you know, I have an old book, uh, you know, hardcover coffee table type book that's called The Look of Horror. And I, you know, there was a segment in that book on that film. Um, but that was, that was like a, like a big time film amongst like the adult set in the late eighties. Like I remember like my parents yeah. and their friends all like talking about it. That was like a big time film for that era. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, you know, Paramount Plus is digging in. Yeah, they they seem to be yeah, doing that a lot with a lot of these. What were you gonna say, Monkey? Oh no, I was just gonna say I I like the Dean. It's one of those movies where I always think I've seen it, but you know, because everyone knows all the highlights. You know, they they know the lines. You know, <laughs> I won't be ignored, Dan. You know, <laughs> that kind of shit. <laughs> but like like the like the Dean, I don't think I've ever actually seen it from beginning to end either. <laughs> really. Hmm. Yeah, you guys definitely should check it out. It's a really good movie. I actually watched it just recently. It was on TV, and I watched it. It's a really fantastic movie. Plus, it was especially during a time when Michael Douglas was just really hot, you know, in the late 80s. And then he went on to do Basic Instinct. But for some reason, he was like the love interest. I just never got it. I was like, Michael Douglas, like, you don't, you don't think that guy is going to be the one that all the girls get horny for. But, no, they were. 
And for some reason, you know, that was the one that you went to. I mean, it took us uh, nine and a half weeks. It's uh, yeah. mind melting. Kim Basinger oh, was Rourke. it? Oh, Mickey Rourke. Oh, no. Yeah, was, no, yeah. but I'm thinking of in nine and a half weeks. And then he was, did a sequel where, like, he was like a sex symbol. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, Mickey Rourke looks like a poaching guy. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how he's getting these roles. But, yeah, I mean, it's. But yeah, Fatal Attraction is one of those movies you really need to watch again if you haven't watched it in a while. It's a great erotic thriller by Adrian Lin, um, and it's one of those movies where it has a great twist with the wife, you know. And, and uh, I'm not giving away because you guys haven't seen it in a while, but it's kind of great with the horror, you know. Ground like you think they would. It's a pivotal part. That's the rat. Yeah, but, you know, again, we're getting up that age, you know, we're at constant remakes of everything, you know, and it's just, you know, let's just put a modern spin on it and see how it goes. But, you know, uh, again, you know, we can see where it goes, you know, modern spin, stronger women, you know, <laughs> and modern and yeah. uh, modern areas where, where where information is instant. I'm not going to get Paramount Plus, but, you know, more power to them. Do it. <laughs> We'll wait and see how it comes out. But, uh, all right, Dean, what else do you have? We have talked so much about when the time comes, if we will ever get a chance, if we even care anymore, uh, to see A Quiet Place 2. And, uh, you know, no. I saw A Quiet Place <laughs> in the theater. And, you know, again, that's one that seems like a fucking million years ago. And... When it came out, it had so much buzz and so much mainstream interest, and it has kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And uh, the, the 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 last pushback pushed it uh, its release date to this year, September seventeenth, twenty twenty one. And uh, Paramount uh, has announced that it's when it does finally get released, it is going to have a forty five day theatrical window before going uh, to the Paramount Plus streaming service. Uh, where, you know, people that subscribe to that will be able to see it. So it's only going to, you know, once that 45-day window is up, uh, if it's even in the theater for that long, it will be going to Paramount+. Plus. And, uh, you know, I guess they're hoping for the same kind of excitement to the first one uh, because they have already hired Jeff Nichols uh, to, di- to write and direct a third uh, Quiet Place film uh, working from an idea from original writer John Kaczynski. So, uh, you know, Quiet Place 2 on the way in September, and there will be a Quiet Place 3. Uh, I don't know if the plans for that will carry on if Quiet Place 2 is not a success, uh, but that is what they're hoping for, of course. Hmm. All right. Let's check that out when it gets released. Uh, on Paramount Plus, or when you see it in theaters, if you said go. All right. Yes. Uh, what else do you have? Uh, just a couple more things. Uh, there are a couple of items uh, in the always evolving world of the Stephen King universe. Uh, there was a uh, 200, I'm sorry, a, in 2018 uh, novella, the Castle Rock story, uh, Elevation, um, is going to be uh, made into a feature film. Um, Jack Bender, who worked on uh, Under the Dome and The Outsider and Mr. Mercedes uh, is the one who will be bringing Elevation to the big screen. And then uh, an older Stephen King story, uh, The Jaunt, which was a short story that was originally published. I don't even know there was such a thing in the Twilight Zone magazine. 
um, is yeah. uh, being created for a TV series uh, by the Fear of the Walking Dead, uh, not Walking, the Fear of the Walking Dead co-creator uh, Dave Erickson for MRC Television. There's no uh, start date or release date for that yet. So those are some you know new items that are going on in the world of Stephen King. And then finally, and I saved this one for last, and I'm sure uh, the King of Horror is already up on this news, but I saved this last item because uh, I know that it would be of uh, most interest to him. Uh, but finally, uh, George Romero's uh, long-lost film, The Amusement Park, has been restored uh, to 4K, and Shudder has acquired the streaming rights and will be releasing it sometime this summer. Can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be like the best, because I wanted to see it when it originally got released, you know, when the George A. Romero Foundation was screening it. I never got a chance to go see it, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to doing uh, to seeing it when it comes on Shutter. It's a long lost film. It's so short. It's not even a full feature, but um, I'm really looking forward to it because Shutter once again showing you that they know how to pick up those properties. Now, do you know if this is supposed to be a horror movie or is it just a George Romero project? Oh no, it's not. Um, it's not at all a horror film. It's actually uh, he had been commissioned to do it, uh, and it's basically just about ageism. And about how you know the older getting mistreated by the youth of the time because this is in the early 70s, early to mid 70s that he did. And basically, about uh, uh, Lincoln Cazell, who plays Kuda Martin, plays a guy that goes to the amusement park and he just wants to have a good time, but he keeps being accosted by the youth that are there. So it's about how you should be respecting your elders and how there's not really a lot of respect there. Uh, so no, it's not a horror film. It's just about ages of, but it's one of those movies that just got lost through time because it was only meant to be a short. It was, only, it was kind of meant to be a PSA. Um, so it's not really like a 90-minute feature. So it's one of those things that kind of... Oh, okay. Like that because they also... Um, the other... Uh, there was a series that was going to be airing in the mid-80s, uh, early 90s called Iron City Ass Kickers, which is all about the world of professional wrestling. George A. Romero did the pilot for. Uh, so that's finally going to be seeing a release in April. Um, that lost TV pilot being resurrected by the George A. Romero Foundation. So if you're a fan of professional wrestling, especially during the 80s and 90s, and George A. Romero and Pennsylvania, Iron City Ass Kickers, uh, stay tuned for that in April. Cool. <laughs> Iron City Ass Kickers. Just looking forward to that. And anything George A. Romero related, you know I'm going to be on top of. Just like the Dean said, you know, anything George A. Romero related, I'm all in for, but uh, okay. So, was that a thing? Do you have anything else? That was it. Like I said, wanted to save that bit of Romero news for for last because I figured of all of the things I had to talk about this evening, that would be the thing uh, that you were most excited about. Well, it's also one thing I'm most excited about, but also because it ties into what we're talking about tonight: zombies, which is the battery from 2012, or should I say, the Z word. So just call him the Walking Dead, or should I just call him whatever? Because they don't want to see The battery, directed, written and directed by Jeremy Gardner, a favorite of mine. You already know that. But theme four is yours. This is your pick. So give us a synopsis what you thought about it, and let's kick off the discussion. Yes, let's do that. Let's kick off the discussion. And yes, uh, this was my pick. I have finally returned to the United States after uh, many trips abroad. Um, <laughs> with varying degrees of, of quality and reception. 
Uh, but here we have a uh, 2012 uh, horror zombie apocalypse film uh, that, you know, plays more like a drama uh, starring uh, Jeremy Gardner and uh, who also directed and wrote the film. Uh, and this film uh, follows uh, two former baseball players who are tri- trying to survive, uh, you know, some type of zombie apocalypse. And this is a, it's a small film. Uh, so uh, we are not dealing with hordes of the undead and survivalist groups uh, that we know of with lots of fighting and guns and weaponry. It's um, a very, in a way, slow-moving piece, uh, you know, following these two characters in a, in a quiet, realistic way uh, as they make their way through this world. Uh, for those of you out there, uh, that are not into the inner workings of baseball. Uh, you know, these two characters, Ben and Mickey, um, one of which is a pitcher and the other of which is a catcher in baseball terms, uh, that is referred to as a battery. Uh, pitcher and catcher are considered battery mates, uh, hence the title, The Battery, which I thought, uh, given uh, their prospective roles on their team, was a, was a good name uh, for this film. Um, but the two characters couldn't be more different, uh, with Ben, uh, being more, uh, I guess the, 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 the proper way for me to describe it would be more coming to terms with the situation that they're in, uh, of what you need to do to survive, of needing to, you know, kill the undead as you encounter them. And he keeps meticulous records, um, of his kills. And then, uh, we have Mickey who this through this has refused uh, to, to step across that line um, and hasn't killed any. And, uh, you know, we follow, we follow them over the course of, uh, you know, their survival um, through the end. Um, I, uh, do we want to get into my feelings about the film yet? Do you guys want to talk about your feelings first? What, what are we thinking? Go ahead, man. Uh, Let's uh, what, you know, uh, what you thought about it. You know, and right. I have to say, I have to say, um, this one, uh, I had seen a blurb about this one somewhere, and it made me interested in it, so I put it down into my, my, my list of films, possible films for the show. And then just a few weeks ago, uh, we had uh, After Midnight. That was a King of Horror pick. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. The King of Horror on this very program just a few weeks ago uh, picked uh, the more uh, modern Jeremy Gardner, or the more recent Jeremy Gardner uh, film after midnight, and that was my first time seeing a Jeremy Gardner film. And, and as I said on that episode, I so thoroughly uh, enjoyed that film. I thought it was unique and inventive, and uh, kept you guessing, and creatively told its story in a way that, like, when you thought the story was going to go in a certain direction, uh, it went in a different direction. And I found the same kinds of things here in Gardner's writing and storytelling in that, uh, you know, zombies, uh, you know, going back, you know, the last 15 or 20 years now um, have been done to death in every single which way, shape or form. And I found this to be something extremely entertaining, uh, completely unique, um, captivating to watch and follow these guys on, on their journey, man. I, I want to I want to see more Jeremy Gardner. I am I am a fan, man. Uh, I was into this film as I was into After Midnight, and uh, 
you know, I know this week was my pick and I've plenty of times if I picked films that I was not into. And uh, here we have the opposite, man. I was, I, I totally dug this one, the battery. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So monkey, what'd you think about the battery? All right. Um, for me, this movie like was a little bit too, too soon. Uh, like I could have used a little bit more break in between J- Jeremy Gardner films, but it is what it is. Um, and that being what it is, like watching him and the way he shoots his movies, it's like he is really fucking good at shooting a warm of cinema. Like, you know, he's really, really good at shooting those bits that are like really heartwarming and you know, and it's just done by the shooting. It's there's no words, no nothing. It's just he does a great job of mixing his shots with his music. And you know, if they still existed today, he would be a really, really fucking good music video <laughs> director. But they don't fucking make him anymore. <laughs> but it's just he's he's the, like those shots. Um. Like when we have those moments of, excuse me, later on, you know, we have moments of Ben and Mickey finally coming to terms with stuff with each other and getting to know each other and all those scenes that were being shot and stuff like that. Those were just some really, really good fucking shots. And I I thought he was really good with those. Um, And it's just this movie, again, he he wrote a really nice individual little piece that I thought could easily have been placed into the Walking Dead universe. He, this was just a little story that he wrote that happened to be possibly taking place in the same universe as that. Of uh, these are just people who don't have people to get together with. You know, these are the people that are on the outsides trying to survive, trying to be on their own. This is what it's like outside of the compounds and, you know, the large groups of people. This, this, this is the story, <clears throat> excuse me, of the wandering ones in that universe. And it was just a really interesting take on just two people trying to survive day to day on what they can. And it's just a big ass fucking camping trip through zombie land. <laughs> All right, King, what did you think of this movie, man? Well, briefly, I just wanted to give the uh, the ghoul thoughts because he couldn't be here tonight. I forgot to say that earlier. Uh, you know, because he's celebrating the birthday of the little monster, so he wants to take time off, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but his thoughts were that he loved it. It was a simple, small cast and well-performed idea of how lonely the apocalypse can be and what it means to have a solid partner to make it through. Uh, the ghoul and I had seen this together for the very first time back in 2014 or so. Uh, at a film festival that we went to at Camp Jefferson in New Jersey, Blairstown. Um, this was one of the movies that was on the docket. Uh, we had no idea what it was about other than that Jeremy Gardner has a musical moment in the movie, which he does, which I think is one of the highlights of the movie when he's drunk and nothing. Um, <laughs> and that was it. And then when it was done, I was just so impressed because like the Dean had said, zombie movies have been done to death ever since George gave us 68, Night of the Living Dead. You know, zombies are kind of done. You know, everybody's done it. You know, it's, it's not impossible to find a billion fucking zombie titles out there. 
But Jeremy does what he does where he makes it minimal, and he doesn't show you all the zombies all the time, and it's not constant hordes, and it's not constant shooting, constant fighting, like Ian said. This is more about the relationship between two people and how, yes, they are a battery on the baseball team, but in the reality of the situation, they are not really friends. They're just kind of stuck together, and there's just nobody else out there, just them, and they are on the road surviving. Um, and I think to have Adam Kronheim, who plays Mickey, playing off of Ben, played by Jeremy Gardner, is perfect. Because you have Mickey who wants a fucking house. He wants running water. He wants a bed. He wants this whole fucking nightmare to be over. And Ben is fine with everything because he knows that the world's over. And he's perfectly fine scavenging because there is just nowhere to go. There's just, what are you going to do? You know, your scratch-off lottery ticket, you want $1,000, what the fuck are you going to spend it on? About as good as the hair gel that you wear in your hair. <laughs> there's a point having that ticket, you know, and he keeps it, and he says, you kept it. I saw you keep it. You know, it's just that there's no, you know, kind of reason to have it. But that's why, it's just, again, Mickey is just such a whiny little complaining person that I don't know if I'll be able to stand him as long as Ben does. But I think Ben needs him just as much as Mickey needs him. Like Ben's keeping him around because it's somebody to talk to. It's somebody to play baseball with. It's somebody to keep him company during the loneliness of traveling around with no, nobody else and just ghouls around. And, and that's why he's there. And Mickey needs him because he needs to be protected because Ben's not afraid to kill. He's not afraid to take down ghouls. He's not even afraid to kill a family dog because once the dog food runs out, he had to kill the fucking dog so they could survive in that house <laughs> for three months. And that's it. No, yeah, that's it. I, you know, you can step in and then, you know, because I wanted to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> but because yeah. I, I sided more than Ben. I don't know about you guys. I, I was kind of more on Ben's side than Mickey. <laughs> yeah, but it's weird how you uh, brought up that relation and how it's relatable to today's standards because you have people that are with what's going on in the world right now. You know, you have so many of us out there that are like, yeah, you know, we still got to do the social distancing. We still got to do the masks. No, we can't go back to movie theaters or amusement parks or, you know, sporting events. It's like, it's not safe. It's not the smart thing to do. And then you have the Mickeys out there that are like, no, I, you know, I want to go back to going back to the movie theaters. I, you know, and I want to yeah. go back to comic book conventions. You know, why can't we just go, go back to the way things were? And then you have the bins. In the world, going, it's not safe. <laughs> you know, it's it's weird how relatable this movie is <laughs> for what's going on right now, and we're seeing the two different it opinions is. being related in this movie versus what's happening to today. And Ben makes the best point. They were stuck in a house with Mickey's family for three and a half months until the zombies overtook that house, and Mickey and Ben had to flee. This is why Ben doesn't want to be in a fucking house anymore. They were in it for three and a half months. Like, let's just sleep outside. Let's sleep where there's no wall. Sleep where we can get out. So finding that car was the best thing that could happen to both of them because now they could just sleep in the back. Like, a, we have our own bachelor pad back here. The seats rolled out. Like, and we can leave whenever <laughs> we want. We're not stuck in a place for too long because there really isn't anything else to do. What, what the fuck else is there to do except scavenge and play baseball and just kind of wait for death? I mean, that's really all they're doing. 
you know, Mickey's the one that wants civilization and he wants things to turn back to normal. Like you said, Mickey, like the people today who, who want to go maskless and want to go back to restaurants and things like that. Well, that, that world's gone. And you better get hit to it. You better start not listening to your headphones all the time, which, again, he's right, you know, because you keep that volume turned up. You're never going to know when a monster's behind you. You're never going to know when you're being attacked, you know, when you're going through batteries. You're going through fucking supplies so you can listen to music. Yeah. And again, them having to just go through day-to-day life, survive, survive, survive. You know, they jump from one vehicle to the other, get get what they can as far as just food's concerned, and just hike out through nature. Um, it's just on. <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, but yeah. Then the other big thing about Mickey is Mickey's got a real thing about he really, really needs to fucking get laid or something. It's like because he just has this really, really bad infatuation with females in general, which we'll get back to later. But yeah, it's like when they decide to go ahead and go back to Mickey's old girlfriend's house, you know, find out, yeah, no one's there. Um, He finds some old pictures of her, takes some pictures, finds some underwear, takes a couple pairs of her underwear. Um, (laughs) It takes a bottle of perfume that she used to wear, and then he packs it all away in his pack. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, Ben's digging through the garage looking for things that they can use to survive on. And Mickey's still walking around with his head in the clouds trying to remember yesterday, you know, and how things were yesterday and not acknowledging the fact that the world has gone to shit. That's what I'm yeah. saying, man. You yeah. got to plan. You got to plan for the now. You got to adapt. Like, this is the world you live in. You might not like it, but you can't spend your fucking day inside inside your headphones uh, the whole time, you know. And 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 yeah. that was, you know, I feel like as I don't feel like it is like it is like that was the the big difference uh, between between our characters and their vast difference between the two of them. And I like that you brought up or whoever it was that said it that um, that these guys, yes, were teammates and they're together, but but not necessarily friends. And now they're kind of stuck with each other. Yes, they are. Like, they have no choice but to be with each other. Um, and that's the whole thing, is that even when they get to the one house, and Mickey's had enough, and he's like, fuck it, we're staying here. I don't care what you have to say. We're staying, and that's final. Like, I don't want to go anywhere. We could stay here for one night. It's not going to kill us. We're going to be fine. So what does Ben do? He takes the, the walking, the walkman away. And he's listening to the music at full volume. He's like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you, Mickey. I'm so busy in the moment. But he also says, Mickey, I fucking love music. But you know what the difference between me and you is? Is that there's fucking shit going on, and I got to acknowledge it. I can't be watching your back all the time while you listen to music. Like, that, you know, you don't think I like music? I love it. You know, so him basically telling him, get your head out of the clouds, like he's been saying. And, of course, when he throws the arrows all over the place, he's like, I'll fucking kill you. Well, foreshadowing, maybe. <laughs> you know, where we go. But, um, yeah. But with with Mickey especially, you know, stealing the, the panties and, and the picture and the perfume, when he's when Ben is away showering and having fun waving that note, you know, gone fishing, don't die. We have a girl walking up to the car, and she happens to be undead, <laughs> but she's up against the window just so that you know she can get a good glimpse at you know Mickey and try to grab at him. But what does he do? Does he try to shoot her? Does he try to pull down his shorts and starts to jack off like it's the last time he's ever going to jack off? just because for some reason it's really getting to him. 
Well, I mean, so ben, ben, she was out. dead, man. She was squashing those things up yeah. against the window, right in his face, man. And they <laughs> was and it was and, and it was obviously cold outside too. <laughs> oh, yeah. but to me, it's like it's it's amazing, and you're laughing the entire time because he's really just he's cranking it. But it's when Ben shoots her and then realizes what he was doing. And he just starts laughing so hard that he can't breathe. And he's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You finish up. You finish up. Oh, my God. I was fucking rolling when Ben comes in. He's like, oh, wait. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, you I'm going to well, go. You take care. <laughs> Well, you know, poor Mickey was trying to beat it off in the zombie car wash there. <laughs> Find walkie-talkies at uh, Mickey's ex-girlfriend's house. Uh, and, of course, because of all the batteries for the walkie-talkies, he's got enough batteries for the, for, I mean, for the CE Walkman. He's got enough batteries for the walkie-talkies. And through trying it out, you find out the range might be about five to ten miles, maybe. But then they start hearing voices coming from the walkie-talkies talking about, how it's somebody's birthday and they've got to figure out plans and they're going to get the movie Tremors if they could find it. And yeah, Mickey yeah. Has the idea with Ben. But it's the fact that Ben backs up the idea of reaching out to him. Like, fuck it. I guess. Why not? You know, reach out to him. Mickey does, and he's told by Annie to fuck off, get off the channel. And also, the other guy that's on the line as well tells him, fuck off, get off the line. We're full up. We don't need you. You know, vacancies full. And that's it. And Ben is happy with that answer. Listen, man, we weren't invited to the party. Forget about it. But maybe yeah, can't let it go. Later, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He might, he might not – I don't know that he's necessarily happy with the answer. He very quickly was like, all right, you said no. You said no. We're just going to move on. That's that. I'm not going to sit here and beg and try to figure out who you are. Uh, you know – Mickey, obviously so yearning for a more kind of rooted existence, hence his wanting to stay in a house and sleep in a bed and stay in one place. Uh, the thought of a, a group uh, to, to potentially assimilate himself to um, and, and maybe have a society um, or, or just more people and protection um, a group he can join, uh, a surrogate family, if you will, uh, something that he obviously very much was wanting and yearning for and not able to let that go. Mm-hmm. And when you find out that it's been days later, when you see Ben eating, you know, with the shirt off, wearing shorts, things like, it's, it's been days. Like, they're not answering you. You keep calling to Annie. I love this interaction between them because he says, wait a second, you're not calling the guy. You're not calling the orchard. You're calling Annie. I'm calling the chick. You got a thing for you. Weird. Do you know that? You're fucking so weird. Like, what is with you? Like, you have this fantasy. Like, oh, Annie, save me. He's like, your head? She's like really attractive. You know, she's got a gun on her hip, pixie girl. Maybe she's got a scar that, that doesn't quite make her ugly. You know, you go. You know what I see? A 46 year old softball coach. I see a truck. <laughs> They're not going to stumble. They're going to send that He's like, that's what they're going to send, because that's reality. So you need to just knock it off and move on. Like They don't want us there. You know, so let's just forget about it. So that, 
but it just it never leaves his mind. Like he keeps trying, he keeps trying to look for them. They have no idea where this orchard is, and no idea if they're ever going to run into them. But obviously, it's not a good idea. Like you just wish Mickey would just cut it out, like because you know that this isn't going to end well for anybody if they even do run into them because you don't know who these people are. You know, they could just be a couple psychopaths. They could be, you know, who knows what they are. Not Ben so Paul. You don't know who they are. They don't know what their intentions are. They could just be a couple psychopaths. Let's just keep going. Let's take shelter in this house for the night, Mickey. Thanks so much. And while Mickey sleeps, Ben drinks and dances to answer to the already defeated by the father and gets into it. But I love the scene before where he's like, hey, Mickey, you see this mural? You want to check out this mural? Titties and legs and there's a fox in there and a, and a deer. Looks like a stork. Yeah, bird of prey. Mickey, you don't want to check this out? When I first saw it, I'm like, maybe he's just fucking with them. Maybe he doesn't even see it there. He just to get Mickey's attention. But no, it's there. Because when he's dancing, he's behind him. That mural does exist. And it is a girl sitting on a log in nature, looking like a Jehovah's Witness pamphlet. <laughs> I love that part. It looks like one of them Jehovah's Witness pamphlets where everything in nature is getting along with each other. <laughs> That's where I want to be. You know, it's, it's, it's great. And so after he gets drunk and he's listening to the song, dancing and singing out loud, that's when he also realizes that there's still this is a very real situation of zombies outside. And he's going to go investigate some screams that he heard outside. And when we cut to the next day, what does he do? Mickey, you're going to become a man today, and you're going to kill your first fucking zombie. I'm into your room. I'm going to leave the bat. I'm going to leave the bat, but you're going to, I'm going to close the door and lock it and hold it. And you can't get out. You're going to have to fucking kill that zombie. You got to get one. You got to get one kill it, man. Like, I was behind Ben with their You got to do one. You got to get one down. But I, I love the whole moment, though, because he's got the zombie, and he's walking the zombie up. He's like, come on, you little motherfucker. <laughs> come on. <laughs> and he takes him in. And no, but he's, he's he almost – the way he does it, it's almost like a fucking sorority prank, though, because he has the bat. He lays the bat perfectly by the side of the bed, but then he walks the zombie, and he's like, you know, and he's like, shh. <laughs> and then he goes, and then he's like, oh, shit, Mickey, wake up. Wake up, Mickey. And then he throws the zombie in there. <laughs> you got to do it. I left you the bat. You got to do it. I'm not letting you out until you do it. <laughs> you know. And then when he opens the door, he's covered in blood holding that bat, and the zombie's dead. He's like, man, that's great. Like, you did it. A great job. And Mickey's reaction is to boot the fuck out of him and then leave. And like, oh, come on. Like, don't be mad. Come on. Like, you're a man now. You're your first zombie. And we find out that so, yeah. he had been talking Annie and just fucking in tears. Like, they don't want us. And he's like, I fucking told you they didn't want us. Like, you need to get rid of this idea about going to the fucking orchard. Like, stop calling them. You know, stop trying to reach out to them. Just bad news. Right, but then this is also where okay, we had a couple things happen here as well though, because this is where um glimpses in my head of like a walking dead kind of universe because she you know, and he's like, you know, look if I anyone even finds out I'm talking to you, they'll throw me over the fucking wall. Okay. So again, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of fortifications, you know, like with Negan and all that kind of stuff. All right. Right. So <clears throat> So I'm immediately thinking, okay, we're eventually going to see these fortifications and stuff because, like the Dean said, you know, th- these movies like to 
get you thinking in a certain direction, all right? Um, and then, two, you know, she tells him pretty much leave me the fuck alone. And he's like, you know, and Mickey's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And she's like, well, what about your friend? He's like, and then we start to get the exposition about how they're just surviving together. They, you know, they don't even really know each other. And then she's like, well, maybe oh. it's time you start to get to know him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because that's all he knows. And, you know, it's, like he made that joke earlier when they were talking about the, the farmer's daughter and the lesbian where he goes, you're the only person that can walk across New England and gain weight. He's like, I'm the only person you know. And he's like, you know, and that's why I'm a catcher because I can get whatever. He goes, fuck you, man. Like, that's what his response. I mean, I got to start using that in everyday talk. And fuck you, sir. Fuck you, that. <laughs> but we get this scene where they do kind of, they come together after, after he kills that zombie. It's kind of like Mickey realizes, you know what? I can be a survivor. I can kill if I have to. That's when they start fishing together and, and spending more time without the headphones on, you know, where he's actually just well, yeah, enjoying he's... his time. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if enjoying is the right word, but coming to terms with, I need to contribute. Uh, I, I need to realize that I'm in the now and this is what it's going to take to survive. I'm going to stop hiding from it inside my headphones. And yeah. I thought the, and, the orchard with and... him, like kind of like, Having, like not having a good time, but just kind of embracing what he has, you know, just playing baseball and eating apples and just kind of not thinking about the music all the time and just what a fucking world he lives in. Yeah, and this entire scene is what I was talking about, you know, at the beginning about, you know, <clears throat> Jeremy Garner is really good at just shooting these kind of moments where, you know, just yeah. capturing happiness on film, you know, and just doing it right with the right music in the background and it all working together, and he did the same thing in After Midnight, where he had those same kind of moments in the movie like this as well. Um, and yeah, and then on top of that, uh, yeah, Dean, the whole thing you've been saying about you know living life through the headphones is like, you know, then now it's got me thinking about, you know, shit, man. Every time you go to a Walmart or the grocery store or something like that, and you see every, you know, everyone out there walking around with their earbuds in their ears. You know, not paying attention to what's going on around them, man. You know, yeah, but I didn't really get like this the phrase, you know, living life in your headphones. You know, and it's just, you know, you see so many people doing that today. You know, that it's just common practice of people going around and not even knowing what the fuck's going on around them. Right. Yeah. No, it's very true. And this is also, you know, when they're eating apples and playing baseball in the orchard. You realize throughout this, in what's going to happen next, that this is the last time that they're really going to have something that's not painful, and it's not, you know, turning towards this could be our last moment. Because after this, they're out in the road trying to get gas from a jeep, and they realize that the jeep's hood is warm. So that means that somebody was driving it recently. They don't know who. Yep. But Mickey is quickly taken at night point by a man saying, "I, you know what? Give me your fucking car." Or he's going to die. I just need to get to fucking Arizona because I just made it out of a place that promised me a car and everything else, and they fucking lied to me. I just escaped, and I got to go. And we have this very tense moment where Ben is saying, you know what? You got no leverage. If you kill him, who the fuck cares? Like, so what are you going to do? Like, you, know, you want me to give you the car? Like, why don't you just get in the car? Like, you know, we'll work this out. Is this a good way for you to go see your wife and your kids again? 
you having to kill somebody for it? Like, you know, he's really trying to talk this guy down, but it's when he finally gets Mickey and down, the man, man over to the park. <clears throat> yeah. But just the fact that he manages to get the man away from uh, Mickey long enough so that he could trace him down, shoot him in that field, and very just cold and just unapologetically killing him. You know, it's the first time Double that you down. really see Ben. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the first time you see Ben just turn into a person, not a zombie. You know, not, not a, you know, an undead person or a deer. And a, no, it's a person. I mean, it was either them or him, and Ben made that decision. But through this, we have a woman arriving with a man that she calls Egghead because of his big old Egghead. Oh, don't worry. That guy was a thief and a liar. We're just going to gas up that car, and we're just going to get out of here. Don't worry about it. But fucking Mickey, shut your fucking mouth. Mickey, God damn it, Mickey. He recognizes a voice, and he asks, Annie, is that you? No, I don't know what you're talking about. No, Annie. Mm. Annie, it's, it's, no, it's Mickey. Mickey, it's Ben. Shut up. Shut the fuck up, Mickey. Because now you're in a position where you have no choice, and you're being confronted by a woman that you know is now Annie. And without saying anything, she pulls out her gun and shoots Ben in the leg. Drops him to the ground, and she says, listen, you know who I am. We know who you are. Don't fucking follow us. Are you seeing where I'm going to throw your keys? Wham. Throws him into the field. You can go get him after we leave. But it's not that easy because you're in a fucking bushy-ass field. Where the fuck do those keys land? Even if you watched them, you're not going to find them. It's a huge high wealthy area. Like, there's just no way they're going to find the keys. And then eventually it becomes too dark so that they have no choice but to return to the car and just wait until the morning, you know, and just hope for better days. But Unfortunately, there's a horde of zombies heading right for their car, and they are not going anywhere. So now we are trapped in this car, which is essentially becoming their tomb. As these zombies are not leaving, and mm-hmm. they are going to do whatever they can to get in. And this is, like, my favorite part of the movie is, bleak as it is, it's just showing them in this car, getting rocked back and forth, and the zombies <laughs> groaning and moaning out. <laughs> and first is like, you know what? It's kind of like raindrops on the tin roof. Kind of like it a little bit. <laughs> he's like, you guys shut the fuck up. Like, you know, getting so tired of it. And it's just sweaty. And they're having to drink the water from the chicken, you know, and tuna salad cans. Enough. Because like, enough of this there. shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love the fact that, you know, they're, they're trying, to, trying to sleep, trying to just figure out a way. Maybe if they shoot a couple, you know, they'll be able to get out. But there's just too many. And they're not going anywhere and just constantly rocking. And that's why Journey Garden is so great because this sequence is a long sequence, but you can't stop looking. You can't stop watching because you want to see what happens next. And really, it's just them sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's them waking up. It's them eating. them trying to figure out how much water they have and how long you can survive before having to drink your own urine. You know, and just trying to figure out how long they have before they end up dying in this tomb. And, but they have liquor so they can drink. And of course, what is and the ha- monkey? My favorite song. Bring it in pack. This is the song I always sing. <laughs> yeah, show me the way to go home. Do land or see your phone. I have a little drink about an hour ago. And it went straight to my head. But I'm bum bum. Show me the way to go. Whenever you fucking really tank, you know, tank for such a song. So I got it. That's it. <laughs> Messed up, but it's a 
again, them just kind of not really paying attention to what's happening outside because they have no choice. There's nothing that they can do. So they put up sheets, they put out whatever they can, and they just get fucked up. And they just start drinking, you know, and they start getting more drunk and more drunk and smoking more cigarettes. And then it comes to they're yeah. so drunk, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm getting the fuck out there. Because Mickey's the one that has been shot and he's healthy. So he's like, you know what? No, that's fine. Fine. Tomorrow I'll do it. He's like, okay, but first, you got to say it. You got to say the Z word, man. Like, I'm not saying it because they're not real. He's like, you, know, you want to look at them? You want me to pull back the sheet? You can take a look at what's outside? He's like, just say it one time. He's like, well, maybe I can make it past those zombies. He's like, ah, oh, you said it. You said zombies. <laughs> you said the Z word. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> and it's, it's just that. That final handshake that they have right before the next day when Mickey's going to make a run for it to find the keys, it's like, you know what? Tomorrow's the day. We're going to do it. I'm going to make it out of there, so let's go. So they open up the sunroof. Mickey goes charging outside, and then it's just that long beat of nothing. You just see Mickey bend in the back of that car. You hear the zombies. You see the van shaking. You don't really get anything. And it's just a beat after beat after beat. And you're just wondering what the fuck is going to happen. Is he going to find the keys? Is he going to get out of there? What is, is he going to get eaten? Like, you don't know until you hear landing on top of the roof. It's Mickey coming back in the car. Maybe he found the keys because he seems pretty confident, but instead he's been bitten on the head. And rather than, you know, get really kind of weepy about it and say, okay, well, we're going to, maybe we'll cut off your hand. Maybe we'll do something. We'll have to figure it out. They are based in realism at this point because even earlier, Mickey says, well, why don't we just hotwire the car? And he's like, how? They do it in movies all the time. He's like, that's the fucking movies. He's like, no one are luck. You're going to crisscross the wrong wires. We're all going to be fucked. Yeah, he said, all we got to do is twist some wires around. He's like, twist some fucking wires around. You're going to fucking wreck it. So if we get the keys, we're not going to be able to get the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the movies. Like, you know, it's not like that. And that's what I thought about this scene when Mickey shows his hand and it's been bit. You know, you see in movies, well, we'll just cut it off. You know, if you cut off where you've been bit, you know, you're not going to get infected. We saw it in the Dean's favorite movie, Day of the Dead. They did that for one of the soldiers who got bit on the hand. They cut it right off and just, you know, yep. seared it closed, and that prevented him from being the undead. But Mickey, you know, is what, just crying out there, like, dude, what are we going to do? You know, you got to help me, Ben. And what's Ben's answer other than to put a bullet right in his head? Effectively ending yep. Mickey and taking him out of this movie. Because they are not friends. And that's what we kind of have to remember. They are not close friends. They're not brothers. They're not very close at all. So Ben did what came naturally to him. You're bit. You're going to become one of them, so I'm taking you out. That's the only option that I have. And after that, he begins to kind of slowly sit by himself with the body of Mickey in that car. When he finally gets the idea, I have no choice. I have to get the fuck out of this car. But first, I'm going to call Annie and tell her exactly what the fuck I'm going to do. Like, it was just the most badass <laughs> moment that Ben has. In the movie. Wait, she's not answering. She's not saying anything back. He's just like, I'm letting you know. Mickey didn't make it, but I did. And he goes, I'm going to try to get out of where I am. And if I get out and I find you, I'm taking you all out. But if I don't make it, I'm just going to put a bullet in my skull. Like, he has no qualms about it. If he doesn't make it, he doesn't make it. He'll just kill himself. But if he does, he is going to get to the orchard and he's wiping everybody out. He's going to avenge Mickey's death. Thought it was just so great to have that. But then to have that moment where he realizes 
the whole thing about how they escaped the house. Like, all the zombies were in one part of the house. We went out the back. They didn't even come after us. Like, they were all so focused on this one entry point. They didn't give a fuck about the other points. That's how Mickey and I got out, because that's what he's going to do with his car. They're all focused on the sides in the front. They're not focused on the back. So if he opens up that hatch in the back, he can get out probably pretty easily and go. And I was wondering for you guys, because this is your first time watching it, did you think when he pops open that back door and then all of a sudden it goes to the credits, you thought that was it? Or do you think there was a good Yeah. Um, I, you know, as he, you know, was, was communicating his plans on the radio and given how kind of like the big pieces or the big scenes that happened in this film, how unpredictable they were to me, um, you know, I was expecting him to open that door and like maybe like battle like a little bit ultimately to succumb very quickly. Hmm. What about you? I, I was I was personally confused about what was up with the fucking baseball. Uh, why was he unwinding the entire baseball? I was expecting him to like I was expecting him to then maybe try and make a trap inside the car, like open up the sunroof and then like. But wind it all up yeah. in the car I, yeah, so I was, that they would I, I, get caught up in that. I, I was curious about that too. The the unwinding of the baseballs. Yeah, but yeah, did, you know, I, I, but then when you get to the back, it's a blinding light. It's you know, so it's either you know, you know, it's either way. It's like it's either escape or death. But either way, you know. You know, it's a welcoming heavenly light either way, you know. And, yeah, I just took that as open ending like that. Mm -hmm. But then you get that beat of, you know, this is written directly by Jeremy Gardner. You know, you get some of the actors, and then all of a sudden you cut, and who else but Ben is walking outside of that car with a horde of zombies behind him. So now he's like king of the zombies. And he's going to find that orchard. And when I saw that, I stood up and clapped. <laughs> you know, at that ending, because I thought that was such an amazing thing to do with all these zombies walking behind him, and he's just walking with the, that bat as a cane. And I always thought that maybe we would get the battery too. You know, we would get a sequel, and you would see what Ben did to the orchard or what they did to him. I'm kind of glad that we haven't gotten it yet, because I really don't think that we need one. You know, especially watching it now, I kind of like that you don't know what happened. And I'd like to think that Ben's out there somewhere just clubbing zombies with his baseball bat and still surviving. But I don't really need to find out the end point. I think where we leave him is where I want to leave him on that road. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I agree, man. What? Plus also, oh, go ahead. Plus also, it seems like, oh, sorry, sorry, Dean. I, I was just going to say, no, it please, also go seems ahead. like Gardner's the kind of, is, it also seems like Gardner's the kind of guy that would, do a project, finish this project, and move on to the next project. It doesn't seem like he would be the kind of creator that would go back and try and piggyback or expand on that stuff. He doesn't seem like that kind of storyteller to me. No. no. What are you going to say, Dean? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, just saying, I, I feel, you know, I've seen these two Jeremy Gardner pieces and, you know, talking about, you know, being happy to just leave Ben on this road and this be where the story, uh, you know, this be where the story wraps up uh, and not needing to have more of this. I, you know, I felt the same, uh, you know, after midnight, which clearly, you know, has a, 
you know, definitive ending to it. Um, but I, I, I have liked both of these as, as standalone pieces. Um, you know, I was satisfied with the conclusion of the battery, uh, not thinking, oh man, I wish we knew what happened or I wish we can find out if he ever, uh, you know, was able to get his revenge, uh, or if he even mm-hmm. survived, like I'm fine with that kind of unanswered question. Uh, for the end of this film, and especially now, it's you know, nine know. years later. You don't want to know? I want to know. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Who's here? <laughs> uh, what is up, motherfuckers? Who Ooh, let look the at What a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, you know, obviously I'm coming in on the tail end of this. Hello, everybody. How are you all doing? I'm just going to come in real quick and say, one, I love the damn movie. It's fantastic. And two, yes, we don't need to know what happens at the end of this. It's best left to our imaginations because the only way to go next is a full-on revenge tale that's going to require a bigger cast, bigger budget, bigger action. And whereas I'm sure Justin wouldn't mind that, I just don't think he's the kind of director that wants to make that movie. So I think it's kind of like when we saw Eric England make Contracted and then didn't want to do mm-hmm. Contracted too. So the studio went along and said, hey, well, we're going to make it anyway. We see where that ended up. Yeah, I can't <laughs> see Jeremy on that kind of a big budget. He's, I mean, this movie, he made it for $6,000, and he did it by asking everybody that worked on the movie to offer $600 to production. So he made it on 6000 bucks. He made yep. a great film. He works on small budgets, small casts. And that's where I think he, he lies. I can't imagine him being in a big budget, big uh, cast. And this, granted, you have a very small cast here, uh, so you mm-hmm. you know you don't have a long list of cast members to pay. But you know this movie looks uh, like a more expensive, polished film than a six thousand dollar movie. Quality oh, of yeah. the film wise, yes. You know, yeah, I agree with you there, Dean. Like, as far as the quality of the finished film and the way, mm-hmm. like, yeah. The so, cinematography, the, look of the, the shots, the color, yes. the color yes. saturation in some of the scenes, really good stuff. Yeah, and the actual cast was probably all, all, all just volunteers. <laughs> Going, hey, you want to be in a Bruising? movie? Sure. <laughs> Google, what were you saying, man? Oh, no, no, I'm just agreeing with you guys, you know, as far as that goes. Yeah, he's got a great eye for shots. I mean, we saw this in After Midnight as well. Um, You know, and he's obviously, he's one of those, he likes to play in front of the camera just as much as behind. Well, I mean, more so, actually. I mean, he seems to be in more things than he's actually directed. I mean, he's only got three things to his uh, his credits as far as his directing work goes. I would really, I like... I, I was telling Dean earlier, I love the way he, he presents his films. I love how he draws his characters. I love the dialogue that goes on between them. Um, you know, and then you add to it again, you know, beautiful cinematography, excellent camera work. I really want to see him do more. I want to see him make more movies. Um, so that's, that's just me. Somebody give that man money sure. to make more movies. Even though he, he Somebody give us more money, money too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know his sister is in SNL. You know what I mean? So it's not like they don't have the connections. <laughs> well, yeah. I still debate whether or not that's his actual sister because I can't find anything that corroborates that. I would love it if it was true, but I can't even find it on Facebook, that connection. So I don't know. 
I'd like to think it's Oh, no, no. I no, I know for a fact because I remember when uh, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and I remember when she got the job, he had posted up on there that he was proud of his sister for getting the gig. When she oh, became like a yeah. regular cast member, I remember that. Yeah, I remember him posting about that. I've, I've chatted with him before in Messenger. Yeah, I've only done it through uh, Twitter like a couple times, including when I told him last year about After Midnight. But, uh, yeah, not very much because he's not a very social person on Facebook. Um, no, on Twitter, he's not. <laughs> on Twitter, if you want to talk to him, he, he's very social. You know, if you drop him a line, he'll answer you. I mean, he's answered me a few times. It's not like he's a, a big-time celebrity. He's on time. You know, he always tries his best. I mean, he asks he a lot of funny questions on Twitter I I enjoy. But, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see more. I know he's doing a movie with uh, Graham Skipper from BFW and, and The List called The Leech. And he's going to be a villain in that one that I'm looking forward to. And there's another one on, nice. on Shutter called Fingers uh, that was directed by Juan Ortiz where he plays uh, a guy hired by a mafia boss to cut off the fingers of one of the mafia boss's enemies. And he becomes a cannibal because of it and wears a panda mask. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and it's Jeremy Gardner having a great time. There's also statistic intentions that he he was in. That's also a horror comedy. So and there's plenty of Gardner out there if you want it. But yeah, I mean, Fingers is great. It's on Shutter for free. You can watch it. Um, so this is the contention getting paid for. But you know, if you ever want to check more out of that. But all right. So as we we close down the show, uh, next week is going to be my pick. Uh, so this movie is free on Shutter. For all of you that have it, Monkey, I know that you're going to sell the seven Cs and find your way to it. Uh, but I want to talk about the Brian Bertino film that came out last year, The Dark and the Wicked. So that is available officially on Shutter. to watch it for free. Uh, that was my number two pick last year for top films of 2020. After Midnight, Jeremy Gardner's film beat it. But this movie is about Satan coming down to Texas to haunt a family. Of <laughs> and what happens to an atheist don't believe in hell? The devil comes for you. So we're going to be talking about it next week. Talking <laughs> the wicked, directed by Brian Bertino. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed. I think that you will. But we're going to be talking about that next week. So with that being said, uh, thank you so much for your picks tonight, Dean. And we look forward to having you back here for the Dark and the Wicked. The Dark and the Wicked. So very exciting to yeah. talk about this film from 2020. And since we do have a few minutes, I'm not going to get into this. I'm just going to. I'm just going to explain it to, to the ghoul so he can look forward to it uh, next week. But uh, I had this in my yep. notes for this evening, and I, I skipped this little segment because I wanted you to be a part of it. But I came upon a little article online uh, where somebody presented their personal theory on what the best order to watch all of the Marvel films are. So I made a list of his order, and I want to present this list and, and get all of your thoughts about whether or not you agree with this person's particular order for the Marvel films. Which we will get back uh, to next week. Yes, I just uh, said excited. next week. And well, I will say <laughs> yeah. that's a great, nice discussion to be having about the finale of, uh, of WandaVision at that point. So, yeah. And I know everybody else is really looking forward to hearing that. So great. I <laughs> <laughs> I put that up on the Facebook Shut page up, today, an article where they said that you guys are disappointed. So. King. We'll see if you guys are disappointed. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you big <laughs> douche. There's no spoilers in there. Read the fucking article. God sake. It still hasn't even come out yet. I don't even know. I don't give a shit. Uh, I, 
was at Barnes and Nobles today, man, and you know it was funny, but they had like on their uh, on the countertop it said this is like a a WandaVision safe place. You know, you can discuss you know you can discuss the show as long as it's spoiler free. <laughs> Why are you like? Are there some places where you're not allowed to discuss WandaVision? I I don't know, man. It's just fun to to see somebody. I guess there. Uh, I might be the kid who I ended up talking to, who was uh he, he liked my shirt. I'm wearing my Miles Morales shirt today. Um, so perhaps oh. you know, being a Marvel fan and whatnot, he uh he just doesn't want spoilers in case he hasn't caught the the episode yet. Mm. I get that completely, okay. man. I hate spoilers. Yeah. All right. So time is winding down. Miles Morales. A Miles Morales. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Alternate universe Spider-Man. Yep. Go ahead and sign yourself out, Monkey. All right. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode. Hi, do. Good night, (laughs) do. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Tower. I'm the Mad Monkey Tank. Thanks for listening and let me come in your ear. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Monkey comes in your ear. That's and right. Have the ghoul back. I need to take a September time with the plug. Let's go. Yeah, we'll do it quick. You know what I mean? Since I, I wasn't here for very long, it won't be a very long plug. Everybody, go to Etsy, all in one word in the search engine, Bonfire Bee Designs. There you're going to find all kinds of handcrafted jewelry, necklace, bracelets, uh, you know, pendants, all that kind of stuff, man. It's really nice. She really makes it. And uh, and I get sex when things get bought. So please, bye. Howdy up and bye. And thank you, Monkey, for also hanging up, which means that we only yes, have a limited time to close up. He was the host. Yes. And he left. So now we're really up against the clock. So. Thank you for getting that plug in real quick because I have to end this thing. All right, so keep watching horror movies. Keep America strong. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Order. Next till we meet, The Dark and the Wicked, directed by Brian Bertino. See you next week, folks. Be scared.